we're going to be uh, diving into the doctrine of Christ um, from the perspective of the words of Nephi and of Jacob. So, starting in 2 Nephi chapter 31, verse 1. And now I, Nephi, make an end of my prophesying unto you, my beloved brethren, and I cannot write but a few things, which I must surely, which I know must surely come to pass. Neither can I write but a few of the words of my brother Jacob. Wherefore, the things which I have written sufficeth me, save it be a few words which I must speak concerning the doctrine of Christ. Wherefore, I shall speak unto you plainly according to the plainness of my prophesying. For my soul delighteth in plainness. For after this manner doth the Lord God work among the children of men. For the Lord God giveth light unto the understanding. For he speaketh unto men according to their language, unto their understanding. Wherefore, I would that ye should remember that I have spoken unto you concerning that prophet, which the Lord showed unto me that should baptize the Lamb of God, which should take away the sins of the world. And now, if the Lamb of God, he being holy, should have need to be baptized by water to fulfill our righteousness, Oh, then how much more need we, being unholy, to be baptized, yea, even by water. Now, if we're following the example of Jesus Christ and his baptism by water, by John the Baptist, we need to understand a few things. While John the Baptist presides over the two orders of Aaronic priesthood, uh, namely, the Levitical order, which doesn't have the power to bless, but only to bind heavy burdens, and the Aaronic order, which holds the key to the ministering of angels. And John the Baptist did appear to Joseph Smith and restore these two orders of priesthood to him. But while he presides, <laughs> excuse me, while he presides over these orders, this is not all the priesthood that John the Baptist held. In addition to the Levitical and Aaronic orders, John the Baptist also held the first order of Melchizedek priesthood, or the apostolic order of Melchizedek priesthood, and the second order of Melchizedek priesthood, the patriarchal order of Melchizedek priesthood. And it was by the apostolic order of Melchizedek priesthood that John the Baptist baptized Christ into the terrestrial order of the gospel or the church of Christ. Now, if we, if we go to DNC 76 and in verse 51, where in these verses, the Lord outlines the entire path of ascension all the way from baptism by water into the terrestrial order in verse 51 to becoming God's little G under God big G in verse 58. And in verse 51, they are they who received the testimony of Jesus and believed on his name and were baptized after the manner of his burial, being buried in the water in his name, and this according to the commandment which he has given. 
Now, this baptism of water, which is being talked about, is baptism by water into the terrestrial order or church of Christ. Now, this is different than the baptism of water into the telestial preparatory gospel. For example, let's go to 3 Nephi 7. And in 3 Nephi 7, starting in verse 23, in the preceding verses, we are instructed about how Nephi, before the coming of Christ, uses power in the Aaronic priesthood to perform many mighty miracles, including healing the sick, raising the dead, and casting out demons and devils. And all of this with power in the Aaronic priesthood, not having yet received the first order of Melchizedek priesthood and not having yet received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. But with power in the Aaronic priesthood, he does the following. Verse 23, thus passed away the 30 and second year also. And Nephi did cry unto the people in the commencement of the 30 and third year. And he did preach unto them repentance and remission of sins. Now I would have you to remember also that there were none who were brought unto repentance who were not baptized with water. Now, again, Nephi, at this point, he doesn't have Melchizedek priesthood. So he's not able to baptize with water into the terrestrial order of the gospel. Um, so what he's doing is he's baptizing with water into the telestial order of the gospel. Because when we talk about baptism into the terrestrial order, we're actually talking about three baptisms, water, fire, and Holy Ghost. But there's only one order of baptism that pertains to the telestial order or the preparatory gospel, and that is baptism with water only. Verse 25, therefore they were ordained of Nephi men unto this ministry, that all such as should come unto them should be baptized with water. Notice that because they're not speaking of all three baptisms, but only, you know, one water baptism into the telestial order, they specifically enumerate baptism with water. And this is a witness and a testimony before God and unto the people that they had repented and received a remission of their sins. And there were many in the commencement of this year that were baptized unto repentance, and thus the more part of the year did pass away. And the baptism by water into the telestial gospel is being baptized unto repentance with water. But remember, this is not the saving ordinance of baptism. And this is not the baptism of water that John the Baptist performed for Jesus Christ. For that baptism is talked about in 3 Nephi chapter 11. When Nephi is called forward by Jesus Christ, and Nephi bows himself before Jesus Christ and kisses his feet and Christ commands Nephi to arise. And Nephi arises and he stands before the Savior. And in verse 21 of 3 Nephi 11, 
And the Lord said unto him, I give unto you power that ye shall baptize this people when I'm again ascended into heaven. Now, Nephi already had the power and authority to baptize people with water into the telestial preparatory gospel. What's happening here is Nephi is receiving higher priesthood authority. He's receiving the first order of Melchizedek priesthood or the apostolic order of Melchizedek priesthood, which holds the authority and the power to baptize people with water into the terrestrial order of the gospel, which is the saving ordinance that we understand baptism to be. And in verse 23, Verily I say unto you, that whoso repenteth of his sins through your words, and desireth to be baptized in my name, on this wise shall ye baptize them. Behold, ye shall go down and stand in the water, and in my name shall ye baptize them. And now behold, these are the words which ye shall say, calling them by name, saying, Having authority given me of Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And then shall ye immerse them in the water and come forth again out of the water. Now, this is the baptismal prayer that we had in the church um, from the publication of the Book of Commandments until the publication of the Doctrine and Covenants in 1835. And when the Doctrine and Covenants was published in 1835, the baptismal prayer was changed. Now, the baptismal prayer for the terrestrial order of the gospel, the saving ordinance, it never changes. Um, so what had happened? Just like the Nephites and just like the children of Israel, we had been demoted from the terrestrial church of Christ to the telestial preparatory gospel. And when that happened, we began using a new baptismal prayer that pertain to the telestial order of baptism, the same order of baptism that in Third Nephi chapter 7, verse 25 says, Therefore there were ordained of Nephi men unto this ministry, that all such as should come unto them should be baptized with water. And this is a witness and a testimony before God and unto the people that they have repented and received a remission of their sins. All right. Now, if we go back to 2 Nephi 31, verse 5. And now, if the Lamb of God, he being holy, should have need to be baptized by water, and I'll parenthetically put in, by the power of the apostolic order of Melchizedek priesthood as held by John the Baptist. Oh, then how much more need we have we being unholy to be baptized, yea, even by water, and I add parenthetically, by the authority of the apostolic order of the Melchizedek priesthood. Verse 6, and now I would ask you, my beloved brethren, wherein the Lamb of God did fulfill our righteousness in being baptized by water? Know ye not that he was holy? But notwithstanding he being holy, he showeth unto the children of men that according to the flesh 
he humbleth himself before the Father and witnesseth unto the Father that he would be obedient unto him in keeping his commandments. So what Nephi is saying here, that again we have an example of Christ entering into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit with the Father, completely submitting his will to Father's will. Verse 7 again. Know ye not that he was holy? But notwithstanding he being holy, he showeth unto the children of men that according to the flesh he humbleth himself before the Father, the new and everlasting covenant, and witnesseth unto the Father that he would be obedient unto him in keeping his commandments, and we must do the same. Verse 8. Wherefore, after he was baptized with water, the Holy Ghost descended upon him in the form of a dove. Now, what is being given to us in symbol and imagery? The meaning behind the Holy Ghost descended upon him in the form of a dove is that that man who officiated in the office of Holy Ghost after Christ's baptism by water into the terrestrial order of the gospel, the Holy Ghost himself came down and placed his hands upon Christ's head and performed the ordinance of baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost. And if we turn back to DNC 76, verse 52, we read about the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, which follows the ordinance of baptism by water into the terrestrial order. Now, just a side note, in our day, um, sometimes the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, happens before the baptism of water into the terrestrial order of the gospel. Verse 52, that by keeping the commandments, they might be washed and cleansed from all their sins and receive the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands of him who is ordained and sealed unto this power. So in 3rd Nephi chapter 11, we read the account of Nephi uh, and also the rest of the 12 disciples being ordained to this power or this order of the priesthood. However, to be able to perform the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, requires not only that a man has been ordained unto this power, but also that it has been sealed upon him. So, in Third Nephi chapter 18, we have the account of Christ sealing this order of the priesthood upon the twelve disciples. And in 3 Nephi 18, verse 36, it says, And it came to pass that when Jesus had made an end of these sayings, he touched with his hand the disciples, whom he had chosen one by one, even until he had touched them all. And he spake unto them as he touched them. So as Christ is touching each of the 12 disciples, what he's doing is he's sealing the apostolic order of the Melchizedek priesthood upon them. Verse 37, and the multitude heard the words, or heard not the words which he spake. 
Therefore, they did bear record. Therefore, they did not bear record. But the disciples bear record that he gave them power to give the Holy Ghost. And I will show unto you hereafter that this record is true. Or in other words, he gave unto them power that they might perform the ordinance of baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost, just as we read about in DNC 76, verse 52. Now, if we go back to 2 Nephi 31. Wherefore, after he was baptized with water, the Holy Ghost descended upon him in the form of a dove. Or the man who officiated in that office came down and performed this ordinance for Christ. And again, it showeth unto the children of men the straightness of the path and the narrowness of the gate by which they should enter, he having set the example before them. So, it is the gate which leads to that straight and narrow path that Lehi and Nephi saw that is the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And 2 Nephi 31 and 32 are actually commentaries on Lehi's tree of life vision and also Nephi's vision of the tree of life. And he said unto the children of men, follow thou me. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, can we follow Jesus, save we shall be willing to keep the commandments of the Father? And the Father said, repent ye, repent ye, and be baptized in the name of my beloved Son. And also the voice of the Son came unto me, saying, He that is baptized in my name, to him will the Father give the Holy Ghost, like unto me. Wherefore, follow me, and do the things which ye have seen me do. Literally, the baptismal covenant is the very foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And... In conjunction with the new covenant, even the covenant of offering up a broken heart and contrite spirit, the other side of that covenant is God's part or Christ's part of the covenant is that he will baptize us with fire and with the Holy Ghost. And Joseph Smith said at the end of the King Follett Discourse that this was his major message during his 14-year ministry, the message of seeking after and receiving the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost. And the whole doctrine of Christ is predicated on this new covenant and on these ordinances, both the baptism of water into the terrestrial order and the ordinance of baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost. Verse 13, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, I know that if you shall follow the Son with full purpose of heart, acting no hypocrisy and no deception before God, but with real intent repenting of your sins, witnessing unto the Father that ye are willing to take upon you the name of Christ by baptism. Now, when baptism is used here, it's talking about all three parts, water, fire, and Holy Ghost. Yea, by following your Lord and your Savior down into the water, according to his word, 
Behold, then shall ye receive the Holy Ghost. Yea, then cometh the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost. And then can ye speak with the tongue of angels and shout praises unto the Holy One of Israel. So, one of these signs that is evident in a man or woman who has received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, is that they are able to speak with the tongue of angels and shout praises unto the Holy One of Israel. Now, that doesn't mean that the only time a man or woman is able to speak with the tongue of angels and shout praises unto the Holy One of Israel um, is after they have received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, because they may do that before. But they can certainly do it after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And what we will find out in the coming verses is that to speak with the tongue of angels is to speak by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. A lot of people think that that means speaking in a foreign tongue. And while that is a spiritual gift, and certainly that can be an aspect of speaking with the tongue of angels, um, that is not usually what speaking with the tongue of angels means. Speaking with the tongue of angels usually means speaking by the gift of prophecy and of revelation. Just as talked about by King Benjamin's people in Mosiah chapter 5, at the time that they are receiving the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost. For in verse 3 of Mosiah chapter 5, it says, And we ourselves also through the infinite goodness of God and the manifestations of his spirit have great views of that which is to come. And were it expedient, we could prophesy of all things. Mosiah chapter 4 and chapter 5 is the record of King Benjamin's people collectively receiving the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now back in 2 Nephi chapter 31, again in verse 13. Now most of us have grown up believing that we receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, when we're confirmed a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. However, that isn't the way it happens. And verse 13 gives us some insight as to why we don't receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost when we're eight. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, I know that if you shall follow the Son with full purpose of heart. So, being able to follow Jesus Christ with full purpose of heart requires life experience. It requires knowing good from evil, having made mistakes, having repented of our mistakes and choosing the path of Jesus Christ because we know the difference, because we have experienced the cleansing power and the healing power of the atonement. Well, when we're eight years old, we simply don't have that life experience. But if you shall follow the Son with full purpose of heart, acting no hypocrisy, and no deception before God, or in other words, not only to say, but also to do. Well, 
this has reference to entering into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit. And anybody can say that they offer up their broken heart and contrite spirit, but they also have to have their heart backing their words. Their actions must back their words. And if they do not, we are acting with hypocrisy and deception before God. Again, we were not prepared to do this. We don't know enough at the age of eight. Another reason why, you know, we don't receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost when we're confirmed a member of the LDS Church is that the LDS Church is performing this ordinance by the authority of the Aaronic priesthood. Um, because as we have gone through previously, in December 1834, the official name of the church is changed from the Church of Christ to the Church of Latter-day Saints. And we were demoted just like the children of Israel from the terrestrial to the telestial order. So if we go to DNC 84, Verse 23. Now this Moses plainly taught to the children of Israel in the wilderness and sought diligently to sanctify his people that they might behold the face of God. Well, how did Moses and Joseph Smith seek to sanctify their people that they might behold the face of God? Well, through the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, that they might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. This is what prepares a man, a woman, or a people. To enter into the rest of the Lord, which rest is the fullness of his glory. And in verse 24, but they hardened their hearts, both the children of Israel under Moses and the early saints under Joseph Smith, and could not endure his presence. Therefore, the Lord in his wrath, for his anger was kindled against them, swore that they should not enter into his rest while in the wilderness, which rest is the fullness of his glory. So it was the privilege and the opportunity of both the children of Israel under Moses and the saints under Joseph Smith to have an ascension experience. Go to the high mountain, the high heavenly mountain, where Christ reigns in the fullness of his glory and enter into the fullness of that glory while in this life. But just like the children of Israel, the early saints under Joseph would not. And so the same thing happened to us. Verse 25. Therefore he took Moses and also Joseph Smith out of their midst and the holy priesthood also. Now the holy priesthood being referred to is the apostolic order of Melchizedek priesthood. The power and authority to perform the ordinance of baptism by water into the terrestrial order of the gospel, or the saving ordinance, and the ordinance of baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost. Verse 26, And the lesser priesthood continued, which priesthood holdeth the key of the ministering of angels and the preparatory gospel, which gospel is the gospel of repentance and of baptism and the remission of sins. And while the Lord gave both peoples, the children of Israel under Moses and the early saints under Joseph Smith, 
chance after chance after chance to repent and return and receive everything which had been taken back. It was when they rejected all of their opportunities that the Lord took Moses and Joseph Smith out of their midst. Um, referring to that, in DNC 124, verse 28, the saints are now in Nauvoo, and the Lord is offering to restore the holy priesthood or the apostolic order of Melchizedek priesthood to them if they will repent and return. For there is not a place found on earth that he may come to and restore again that which was lost unto you or which he hath taken away, even the fullness of the priesthood. So this time, because they have once had it, but then rejected it, the, the Lord is saying, I will only restore it if you build a temple. And you will only allow be allowed to finish that temple if you repent and return. If you repent and return, I will allow you to finish the temple, and Joseph Smith will be the man to dedicate that temple. However, if you do not, no power on earth or under heaven will be sufficient to allow you to finish the Nauvoo Temple. And at the end of the appointment, Joseph Smith is to be taken out of the midst of the saints because they refused to repent and return. And so Joseph Smith is martyred. And at the martyrdom of Joseph Smith, the Nauvoo Temple hasn't been finished. In fact, the Nauvoo Temple is never finished. Although there were seven temple dedications carried out on the Nauvoo Temple, the first being on the attic, the next five on various portions, and the seventh one being on the entire temple, it still wasn't finished. However, it was a moot point because the time allotted for its completion or the time allotted the saints for them to repent and return to receive back the terrestrial order had passed. And as we have discussed, it would await until Joseph Smith would return, as prophesied throughout the Doctrine and Covenants, especially in DNC 101 and 103, to finish the restoration and restore again the apostolic order of Melchizedek priesthood to the earth and the terrestrial order of the gospel, which is the times in which we now find ourselves. So going back to Second Nephi 31. Again, verse 13 gives us insight about what it means to offer up a broken heart and contrite spirit. However, although this gives us insight, and many of the scriptures in the Book of Mormon give us insight, we must do all of these things, and we must receive the terms of what it means to offer up a broken heart and contrite spirit by revelation. And it is individually tailored to each one of us. And because each one of us is on a different level of ascension and have had different experiences, the exact requirements of what it means to offer up a broken heart and contrite spirit is individual to every single person and therefore must be received by revelation. 
Wherefore, my beloved brethren, I know that if ye shall follow the Son with full purpose of heart, acting no hypocrisy and no deception before God, but with real intent, repenting of your sins, witnessing unto the Father that you're willing to take upon you the name of Christ by baptism. Okay, so these are general things, and everybody must do these general things. It's the specifics of exactly how to do these things that must be received by revelation. Now, something else that's very insightful in verse 13 is that we must witness unto the Father that we are willing to take upon us the name of Christ. Well, when we partake of the sacrament, we're doing the same thing. We're covenanting with God that we are willing to take upon us the name of Christ. And most of us think that through our baptism into the telestial preparatory gospel and by partaking of the sacrament, that we have, in fact, taken upon us the name of Christ. However, we haven't. Because until we receive the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost, um, Christ has not yet extended his name to us. And thus, we remain in a category where we are willing to take upon us the name of Christ, but we're not actually able to take upon us the name of Christ until the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, this is explained by King Benjamin in Mosiah chapter 5. And so in Mosiah chapter 5, as his people are receiving the baptism of fire and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Verse 7. And now because of the covenant which ye have made, ye shall be called the children of Christ, his sons and his daughters. For behold, this day he hath spiritually begotten you. For ye say that your hearts are changed through faith on his name. Therefore ye are born of him and have become his sons and his daughters. So we do not become the sons and daughters of Christ until the ordinance of baptism, of fire baptism, of the Holy Ghost, where Christ literally pleads our case before the Father and gets Father's permission to adopt us as his sons and his daughters. And when he does per receive permission, that's when the baptism of the Holy Ghost takes place, which is always accompanied by a baptism of fire. Now, an example of this. If we go to 3 Nephi 19, when the 12 disciples of Jesus Christ received their baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, after his coming and showing himself to them. So while the 12 disciples are receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, so significant an event is this that Christ separates himself from them, and he had actually come to minister to them. And so he has already pled their case to the Father and received Father's permission to adopt the 12 
as his sons. And now, verse 19. And it came to pass that Jesus departed out of the midst of them and went a little way off from them and bowed himself to the earth and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast given the Holy Ghost unto these whom I have chosen. And it is because of their belief in me that I have chosen them out of the world. Father, I pray thee that thou wilt give the Holy Ghost unto all them that shall believe in their words. Father, thou hast given them the Holy Ghost because they believe in me. And thou seest that they believe in me because thou hearest them. And they pray unto me because I am with them. And now, Father, I pray unto thee for them. And also for those who shall believe on their words, that they may believe in me, that I may be in them as thou, Father, art in me, that we may be one. And then Christ goes on to declare the same words that he cried out unto the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane. In verse 29, start in verse 28. Father, I thank thee that thou hast purified those whom I have chosen because of their faith. And I pray for them and also for them who shall believe on their words, that they may be purified in me through faith on their words, even as they are purified in me. Or in other words, that all who come unto me through the doctrine of Christ, precisely as my 12 have done, may also receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Verse 29, Father, I pray not for the world, or those who have not entered into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit. That's not who I'm praying for right now but for those whom thou hast given me out of the world, those who have entered into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit and who have become my sons and my daughters through the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. They are they who Christ has extended his name to and who are now able to take upon themselves the name of Christ. Those whom thou hast given me out of the world, because of their faith, that they may be purified in me, that I may be in them as thou, Father, art in me, that we may be one, that I may be glorified in them. So, While we've always known that the atonement overcomes both sin and death, uh, death for all mankind and sin for all those who will repent, that is only the first 25% of the atonement. The next 75% is exactly what is expressed in verse 29. As Christ said, I pray not for the world, but for those whom thou hast given me out of the world. Or in other words, for the power that Christ gained to adopt all who would to be his sons and daughters 
through the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and then to be able to extend his hand to them. And if they would take hold and not let go, lift them up to where he is. That's what it means. That they may be purified in me, that I may be in them as thou, Father, art in me, that we may be one, that I may be glorified in them. Back to Second Nephi 31. So, as we are coming unto the baptism of water into the terrestrial church of Christ, um, just as when we are baptized with water into the telestial order. We are expressing our willingness to take Christ's name upon us. And we look forward with anticipation when his name will be offered to us through part two, the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Continuing in verse 13 in 2 Nephi 31. Yea, by following your Lord and your Savior down into the water according to his word. Behold, then shall ye receive the Holy Ghost. Yea, then cometh the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost. And then can ye speak with the tongue of angels and shout praises unto the Holy One of Israel. But behold, my beloved brethren. Thus came the voice of the Son unto me, saying, After ye have repented of your sins. And witnessed unto the Father that ye are willing to keep my commandments by baptism of water and have received the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost and can speak with a new tongue, even the tongue of angels. And after this should deny me, it would have been better for you that ye had not known me. And about these individuals elsewhere in the Book of Mormon, it's said of them that it would have been better had they not been born. Verse 15. And I heard a voice from the Father saying, Yea, the words of my beloved are true and faithful. He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. And now, my beloved brethren, I know by this that unless a man shall endure to the end in following the example of the Son of the living God, he cannot be saved. Wherefore, do the things which I have told you that I have seen that your Lord and your Redeemer should do. For for this cause have they been shown unto me, that ye might know the gate by which ye should enter. For the gate by which ye should enter is repentance and baptism by water. And then cometh a remission of your sins by fire and by the Holy Ghost. And again, this gate by which ye should enter is not the baptism of water into the telestial preparatory gospel. But it is the baptism by water into the terrestrial order of the gospel. And then comes the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. As soon as we have demonstrated that we have fully entered into the new covenant and are able to live it with integrity. Verse 18. And then are ye in this straight and narrow path which leads to eternal life or the tree of life. Yea, ye have entered in by the gate, and ye have done according to the commandments of the Father and the Son. And ye have received the Holy Ghost, which witnesses of the Father and the Son, unto the fulfilling of the promise which he hath made, that if ye entered in by the way ye should receive, 
And now, my beloved brethren, after ye have gotten into the straight and narrow path, I would ask if all is done. Behold, I say unto you, nay. And I would hearken back unto, okay, so after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, back in verse 14, that after we have witnessed unto the Father, that we are willing to keep Christ's commandments by baptism of water and baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost and can speak with the tongue of angels. And after this should deny me, it would have been better for you that ye had not known me. And thus, we had better endure to the end after we have received these things. Because like Heber C. Kimball said during Joseph Smith's day, after he was instructed about greater light and knowledge, he said, I can't sin so cheap no more. Back in verse 19, I would ask if all is done. Behold, I say unto you, nay, for ye cannot come thus far save it were by the word of Christ, with unshaken faith in him, relying wholly upon the merits of him who is mighty to save. Okay, this is another window into what it means to offer up a broken heart and contrite spirit, that we might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, for there are two paths. One path leading to the gate of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. The other path that which we find ourselves on after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. So the path which leads to that gate of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost is very, very similar to the path after we receive it. <coughs> For the path before we get to the gate and to the gate is that we rely upon the word of Christ with unshaken faith in him. Or, in other words, we seek after, receive, and act on revelation, relying wholly upon the merits of him who is mighty to save. And the specific uh, seeking after, receiving, and acting on revelation is what Christ would have us do to enter into the covenant, to become ready to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Verse 20. Wherefore, ye must press forward with a steadfastness in Christ, having a perfect brightness of hope and a love of God and of all men. Wherefore, if ye shall press forward, feasting upon the word of Christ and endure to the end, behold, thus saith the Father, ye shall have eternal life. And now, behold, my beloved brethren, this is the way, and there is no other way nor name given under heaven, whereby man can be saved in the kingdom of God. And now behold, this is the doctrine of Christ and the only and true doctrine of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, which is one God without end. Amen. And many people say, well, that sounds like a lot of hard work. You know, I have a current temple recommend. I've been sealed in the temple and I am true and faithful to my church calling. Um, why would 
I take upon myself all of that when I already have my e-ticket to the celestial kingdom. Well, you may have all that. However, until you receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, you don't have the ticket to salvation. Um, and after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, the path of discipleship is the path back into Christ's presence in the fullness of his glory. And there is no temple attendance. There is no temple recommend. There is no sealing in the temple that can be done. That is a substitute for the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and entering into the rest of the Lord. In fact, our entire temple experience is symbolic of this path of receiving the baptism by water into the terrestrial order, receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, feasting upon the words of Christ, and then parting the veil and then coming into God's presence in the fullness of his glory. Our whole LDS temple experience is symbolic of the doctrine of Christ. And the greatest value that it has is to point our minds forward to these actual experiences that we're supposed to have with deity, that we should actually be out seeking how we might receive baptism of water into the terrestrial order by one who has proper authority. Second, we should be seeking to enter into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, that we might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, represented by the washing and anointing. And then the instruction that comes from God about how he would have us part the veil and ascend to the high mountain and come into Christ's presence in the fullness of his glory. And just as we interact with the Lord through the marks of his atonement, so when we come into his presence in the fullness of his glory, may we feel just as the Nephites did, the prints of the nails in his hands and feet and wrists and thrust our hands into his side. And these three pillars, the baptism of water, the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost, and entering into the rest of the Lord, which rest is the fullness of his glory, is the doctrine of Christ. And it is the path of discipleship. And nothing else is a substitute. If we wear out our lives in good things, but neglect seeking after and receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and entering into the rest of the Lord, all of those other good things will not replace our failure after having been taught um, about the true doctrine of Christ. Um, all of these other things will never be a replacement for these most critical of all ordinances. You know, the baptism by water into the terrestrial order and the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost.
verse 21. And now behold, my beloved brethren, this is the way, and there is no other way, nor name given under heaven. So, meaning, there is no other way that Christ is able to extend his name to you, and that you are actually able to take upon yourselves Christ's name, except through the doctrine of Christ. Whereby man can be saved, for the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, is salvation. And now behold, this is the doctrine of Christ, and the only and true doctrine of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, which is one God without end. Amen. Now beginning in chapter 32, verse 1. And now, my beloved brethren, I suppose that ye ponder somewhat in your hearts concerning that which ye should do after ye have entered in by the way. But behold, why do you ponder these things in your hearts? Or in other words, you ponder, what should I do after I receive the baptism of water into the terrestrial order and the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost? Verse 2. Do you not remember that I said unto you that after you had received the Holy Ghost, you could speak with the tongue of angels? And now how could you speak with the tongue of angels, save it were by the Holy Ghost? Or in other words, to speak with the tongue of angels is to speak by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. Verse 3. Angels speak by the power of the Holy Ghost. Wherefore, they speak the words of Christ. Wherefore, I said unto you, feast upon the words of Christ, for behold, the words of Christ will tell you all things what ye should do. So, that's the rod of iron. The rod of iron is the words of Christ. Holding on to the rod of iron is feasting upon the words of Christ. Which words of Christ comes by faith and overcoming by faith or seeking after receiving and acting on revelation. So while the words of Christ are words in scripture, while the words of Christ are words of true prophets, that's not the context in this chapter given by Nephi. And that's not how we are instructed about everything that we must do to enter into the presence of Christ, which uh, in the fullness of his glory, that only comes by revelation, that only comes by holding on to the iron rod or seeking after receiving and acting on revelation, which level of revelation we then have access to after we receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. For before the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, we don't have access to the level of revelation to instruct us about how to part the veil and ascend to the high mountain as Joseph Smith and Nephi and Moses did. However, if we continue to be true and faithful after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, then we do have access to that level of revelation and instruction. Verse 4, wherefore now after I have spoken these words, if ye cannot understand them, it will be because ye ask not, neither do ye knock. Wherefore ye are not brought into the light, but must perish in the dark. For behold, 
Again, I say unto you, that if ye shall enter in by the way and receive the Holy Ghost, it will show unto you all things what ye should do. Behold, this is the doctrine of Christ, and there will be no more doctrine given until after he shall manifest himself unto you in the flesh. And when he shall manifest himself unto you in the flesh, the things which he shall say unto you shall ye observe to do. Now, this doesn't have reference to Christ appearing to the Nephites in 600 years. This has reference to what is talked about in DNC 76, that is the next pillar in the doctrine of Christ after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Verse 53, who overcome by faith, or as Nephi puts it in 2 Nephi 32, the words of Christ will tell you all things what ye should do. That means the very same thing as to overcome by faith, or to seek after, receive an act on revelation, and thereby overcome all of the tests that the Lord has prepared for us before we might enter into his rest. And who overcome by faith, back in DNC 7653, and are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, who is Jesus Christ. And the sealing by the Holy Spirit of promise is to have our calling election made sure by Christ, which only happens as we ascend into the seventh heaven, or that place in the heavens where Christ reigns in the fullness of his glory. which the Father sheds forth upon all those who are just and true. Just and true is the ascension level. They are they who are the church of the firstborn. So when we're sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, as we come into Christ's presence of the fullness of his glory, then we become members of the church of the firstborn or the celestial order of the gospel. And so this is just a second witness that what is being talked about in 2 Nephi 32 verse 6 is not talking about Christ appearing to the Nephites in 600 years, but it's talking about that it is the privilege and the opportunity of those who have received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, to be instructed in all things that they should do, to enter into the rest of the Lord, which rests in the fullness of his glory, and to be taught directly by Jesus Christ. And when taught directly by Jesus Christ, we are to do precisely what he instructs us to do. Verse 7. And now I, Nephi, cannot say more. The Spirit stoppeth mine utterance. And I am left to mourn because of the unbelief and the wickedness and the ignorance and the stiff-neckedness of men. For they will not search knowledge nor understand great knowledge when it is given unto them in plainness, even as plain as word can be. Nephi has just told us how to come into Christ's presence of the fullness of his glory. In as plain a language as can be spoken. And now in verse 8, my beloved brethren, I perceive that ye ponder still in your hearts. And it grieveth me that I must speak concerning this thing. For if ye would hearken unto the Spirit, which teacheth unto, which teacheth a man to pray, ye would know that ye must pray. 
For the evil spirit teacheth not a man to pray, but teacheth him that he must not pray. But behold, I say unto you, that ye must pray always, and not faint, that ye must not perform anything unto the Lord, save in the first place ye shall pray unto the Father. In the name of Christ, that he will consecrate thy performance unto thee, that thy performance may be for the welfare of thy soul. And now in verse, in chapter 33, verse 1. And now I, Nephi, cannot write all the things which were taught among my people. Neither am I mighty in writing like unto speaking. For when a man speaketh by the power of the Holy Ghost, the power of the Holy Ghost carrieth it into the hearts of the children of men. But behold, there are many that harden their hearts against the Holy Spirit, that it hath no place in them. Therefore they cast many things away which are written, and esteem them as things of naught. But I, Nephi, have written what I have written, and I esteem it as of great worth, and especially unto my people, for I pray continually for them by day, and mine eyes water my pillow by night. Because of them, and I cry unto my God in faith, and I know that he will hear my cry. And I know that the Lord God will consecrate my prayers for the gain of my people. And the words which I have written in weakness will be made strong unto them. For it persuadeth them to do good. It maketh known unto them of their fathers. And it speaketh of Jesus and persuadeth them to believe in him and to endure unto the end, which is life eternal. And it speaketh harshly against sin, according to the plainness of the truth. Wherefore, no man will be angry at the words which I have written, save he shall be of the spirit of the devil. I glory in plainness. I glory in truth. I glory in my Jesus, for he hath redeemed my soul from hell. I have charity for my people and great faith in Christ, that I shall meet many souls spotless at his judgment seat. I have charity for the Jew. I say Jew because I mean them from whence I came. I also have charity for the Gentiles or the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But behold, for none of these can I hope except they shall be reconciled unto Christ. Meaning that there is no hope for the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints only to that extent that they reconcile themselves unto Christ or enter into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit and earnestly seek after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And enter into the narrow gates and walk in the straight path. So after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, we must seek to enter Christ's presence in the fullness of his glory. Which leads to life. And continue in the path until the end of the day of probation. And now my beloved brethren, and also Jew, and all ye ends of the earth, Hearken unto these words and believe in Christ. And if ye believe not these words, believe in Christ. And if ye shall believe in Christ, 
ye shall believe these words, for they are the words of Christ, and he hath given them unto me. And they teach all men that they should do good. And if they are not the words of Christ, judge ye. For Christ will show unto you with power and great glory that they are his words at the last day. And you and I shall stand face to face before his bar. And ye shall know that I have been commanded of him to write these things, notwithstanding my weakness, or in other words. Oh, ye members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, who are in a deep slumber, and think that you have everything that Christ requires of you, and yet ye have not received the doctrine of Christ. Ye have not yet received a broken heart and contrite spirit, the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and entering into the rest of the Lord. For Nephi says that until the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints do these things. Verse 9, again, I also have charity for the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Gentiles. But behold, for none of these can I hope except they shall be reconciled unto Christ. Verse 12, and I pray the Father in the name of Christ that many of us, if not all, may be saved in his kingdom at that great and last day. And now, my beloved brethren, all those who are of the house of Israel and all ye ends of the earth, I speak unto you as the voice of one crying from the dust. Farewell until that great day shall come. And you that will not partake of the goodness of God and respect the words of the Jews and also my words and the words which shall proceed forth out of the mouth of the Lamb of God. Behold, I bid you an everlasting farewell. For these words shall condemn you at the last day. For what I seal on earth shall be brought against you at the judgment bar. For thus saith the Lord, commanded me, and I must obey. Amen. Now in Jacob 1, verses 6 through 8. And we also had many revelations, and the spirit of much prophecy. Wherefore, we knew of Christ and his kingdom, which should come. Wherefore, we labor diligently among our people, that we might persuade them to come unto Christ and to partake of the goodness of God, that they might enter into his rest or come into the tree and partake of the fruit. Lest by any means you should swear in his wrath, they should not enter in as in the provocation in the days of temptation while the children of Israel were ill in the wilderness. And we read about that in Moses in DNC um, 84. Wherefore we would to God that we could persuade all men not to rebel against God, to provoke him to anger, but that all men would believe in Christ and view his death and suffer his cross and bear the shame of the world. Wherefore I, Jacob, take it upon me to fulfill the commandment of my brother Nephi. Now, here lies a grand secret. 
for those who enter, as Jacob says in verse 7, enter into his rest, which rest is the fullness of his glory, then have the opportunity to view his death and his suffering on the cross as he bore the shame of the world. Jacob 3, verses 1 through 3. But behold, I, Jacob, would speak unto you that are pure in heart. Look unto God with firmness of mind, and pray unto him with exceeding faith, and he will console you in your afflictions, and he will plead your cause, and send down justice upon those who seek your destruction. O all ye that are impure in heart, Lift up your heads and receive the pleasing word of God and feast upon his love. For ye may, if your minds are firm forever, but woe, woe, and woe in the scriptures means cursed. So, but cursed, cursed unto you that are not pure in heart, that are filthy this day before God. For except ye repent, the land is cursed for your sakes. And the Lamanites, which are not filthy like unto you, nevertheless they are cursed with a sore cursing, shall scourge you even unto destruction. And may I submit that the Latter-day Saints are under the same requirement and penalty that Jacob was not just speaking to the Nephites, but he was also speaking to the Latter-day Saints. Jacob 4. Verses 4 through 17. For for this intent have we written these things, that they may know that we knew of Christ, that we had a hope of his glory many hundred years before his coming. And not only we ourselves had a hope of his glory, but also all the holy prophets which were before us. Behold, they believed in Christ and worshiped the Father in the name, in his name. And also we worship the name with Father in his name. And for this intent, we keep the law of Moses, it pointing our souls to him. And for this cause, it is sanctified unto us for righteousness even as it was accounted unto Abraham in the wilderness to be obedient unto the commandments of God in offering up his son Isaac, which is a similitude of God and his only begotten son. And may I add that Abraham obeying the word of God to offer up his son Isaac was the final test that Abraham had to pass before he had the second order of Melchizedek priest that sealed upon him. And for his wife, the final test that she had to pass before she became a queen and priestess as her husband became a king and a priest was that she had to support her husband in what the and what God had commanded him to do with their son. 
verse 6. Wherefore we search the prophets, and we have many revelations, and the spirit of prophecy, and having all these witnesses, we obtain a hope, and our faith becometh unshaken, insomuch that we truly can command in the name of Jesus, and the very trees obey us, or the mountains, or the waves of the sea. Again, just as Abraham's final test to have the patriarchal order of Melchizedek priesthood sealed upon him, whereby he gained the power to command the elements, Jacob is also here saying that he has been ordained and sealed to the patriarchal order of Melchizedek priesthood, and that he passed through a test like Abraham, and he received that same power. And just backing up, so Jacob is at the level of the church of the firstborn and church of Enoch. He has ascended to the level of a translated being, even though he's not translated yet, he's ascended to that level. And even though Christ, at the time of his baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, adopted him as his son. And when Jacob is in Christ's presence, it is perfectly appropriate for Jacob to pray to Christ. Um, just as, you know, we're given the example in 3519 of the disciples in the multitude multitude praying to Christ because he was with them. Um, in Jacob 4, verse 5, Behold, they believed in Christ and worshipped the Father in his name. And also we worship the Father in his name. So, those times when Jacob, even though he had received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and had been adopted as Christ's son, and although Jacob did cry out unto Christ, and although he did pray unto Christ when Christ was with him, um, at all other times, he prayed to the Father in the name of Christ, as outlined in verse 5. And again, at the end of verse 6, in so much that we can truly command in the name of Jesus, and the very trees obey us, or the mountains, or the waves of the sea. Nevertheless, the Lord God showeth us our weakness, that we may know that it is by his grace and his great condescensions unto the children of men that we have power to do these things. So, even having the patriarchal order of Melchizedek priesthood does not mean that one is perfect or that one has overcome all things yet. And even at that level, one has, you know, even great weakness. You know, however, instead of being hardened in weakness and being lifted up in pride, um, those on the path of ascension uh, ask God to show them their weaknesses and remain humble and allow those weaknesses 
to come to the surface and to be worked out of them and to be sanctified. Verse 8. Behold, great and marvelous are the works of the Lord. How unsearchable are the depths of the mysteries of him. And it is impossible that man should find out all his ways. And no man knoweth of his ways, save it be revealed unto him. Wherefore, brethren, despise not the revelations of God. For behold, by the power of his word, man came upon the face of the earth, which earth was created by the power of his word. Wherefore, if God, being able to speak, and the world was, and to speak, and man was created, oh, then why not able to command the earth, or the workmanship of his hands, upon the face of it, according to his will and pleasure? Wherefore, brethren, seek not to counsel the Lord, but to take counsel from his hand. Or in other words, enter into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit. Seek the terms of that covenant. And then listen and obey. For behold, ye yourselves know that he counseleth in wisdom and in justice and in great mercy over all his works. Wherefore, beloved brethren, be reconciled unto him through the atonement of Christ his only begotten Son, and ye may obtain a resurrection according to the power of the resurrection which is in Christ, and be presented as the firstfruits of Christ unto God, having faith obtained a good hope of glory in him before he manifested himself in the flesh. So to become the firstfruits of Christ, is to become his sons and his daughters through baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And now, beloved, marvel not that I tell you these things, for why not speak of the atonement of Christ and attain to a perfect knowledge of him, as to attain to the knowledge of a resurrection and the world to come? Behold, my brethren, he that prophesieth, let him prophesy to the understanding of men, for the Spirit speaketh the truth and lieth not. Wherefore, it speaketh of things as they really are, and of things as they really will be. Wherefore, these things are manifested unto us plainly, for the salvation of our souls. But behold, we are not witnesses alone in these things, for God also spake them unto prophets of old. The doctrine of Christ never changes. It has been the same from the days of Adam until the earth becomes celestialized. But behold, the Jews were stiff-necked people, and they despised the words of plainness, and killed the prophets, and sought for things that they could not understand. Wherefore, because of their blindness, which blindness came by looking beyond the mark, they must needs fall. And the Book of Mormon Prophets tell us time and time and time again that the Gentiles or members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints at the time of Christ's second coming will be analogous to the Jews at the time of Christ's first coming. That they will look beyond the mark 
For at this time, Christ has not yet come among the Jews, nor has he yet come in his second coming. Verse 14 again. But behold, the Jews were a stiff-necked people, and they despised the words of plainness, and killed the prophets, and sought for things which they could not understand. Wherefore, because of their blindness, which blindness came by looking beyond the mark, the mark being Christ, and thinking that their dead works would save them, just as the Latter-day Saints think that having an active temple recommend and being sealed in the temple and even going to the temple weekly is that which will save them. When they know nothing of Christ's new covenant, which is recapitulated throughout the book of Mormon doctrine, covenants and full of great price, which if they would hearken unto the spirit, they would be instructed in. Because this is what saves. Wherefore, because of their blindness, which blindness came by looking beyond the mark, they must needs fall. For God hath taken away his plainness from them and delivered unto them many things which they cannot understand because they desired it. And because they desired it, God hath done it. And they may stumble, that they may stumble. And now I, Jacob, am led on by the Spirit unto prophesying. For I perceive by the workings of the spirit which is in me that by the stumbling of the Jews, they will reject the stone who is Christ upon which they might build and have safe foundation. But behold, according to the scriptures, this stone shall become the great and last, the only sure foundation upon which the Jews and the Latter-day Saints can build. And now, my beloved, how is it possible that these, after having rejected the sure foundation, can ever build upon it, that it may become the head of their corner? Now, just as the term head of the corner is used in JST Matthew 21, and as we have previously talked about, the head of the corner is actually the capstone of the Great Pyramid, which, when you really look into it perfectly, symbolizes Jesus Christ. And yes, does the adversary, you know, try and abscond with every symbol that is true and of Christ and good and pervert it to something that is not yes. However, the original symbol of the Great Pyramid, of which Christ is the capstone um, is a true symbol of Christ. Verse 18. Behold, my beloved brother, I will unfold this ministry unto you if I do not by any means get shaken from my firmness in the spirit and stumble because of my over anxiety for you. Well, I add my witness to the witness of Jacob and of Nephi that 
Jesus Christ is the only way that he is real, that even though times are becoming darker and society is becoming darker and more difficult, that is not cause for us to give up hope, but it is cause for us to have hope and to exercise faith, seeking after receiving and acting on revelation, that God may prove himself to us that he will not leave us comfortless as we come unto him, as we offer up unto him our broken hearts and contrite spirits and live by the power of revelation in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Now, let's, let's open things up.